eBay sellers, you have landed on episode number 140 of eBay the Right Way. My guest is Kari in Washington State. Today's date is November 22nd, 2023, the day before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. If you want to eat a second or third dessert, just say you're eating one for me. I love dessert, so eat one for me. (laughs) Announcements. Genevieve posted this letter on the Facebook group. She said, this appeared in my feed. I thought it would be nice to see. It is not mine, but it is great. It came from a page on Facebook called History in Pictures. If you want to look this up and read all the comments below it, because this really is a great thing. It says, an 86-year-old man sends heartfelt letter to eBay seller after buying VHS player. The date of the letter is actually February 10th, 2019, so it's been circulating for a while. But um, let me read this to you because this just makes what we do seem all that more important. It says, hello, I found... Many old VHS tapes recently and wanted to see what is on them and realized I had no player. So I went to eBay for the first time and discovered your offer. I bought your VHS player and you shipped it within a few days. The player looks new and unused. Amazing. I had some issues getting it going, which were mine and not the player. I am 86 and perhaps not up to my game, but I do get there eventually. And I did, and discovered the VHS works perfectly. Thank you so much for your care, efforts, and promptness. I watched tapes of my retirement party from 25 years ago, which I had never seen before. Geez, (laughs) we were young. Then a tape of my wedding with all the family and friends, many of which are no longer around. Then skiing trips, kids growing up, travels, and most importantly, the gentle maturing of my family. Each one more fun than the last. And thanks to your generous selling of the VHS player. I thought you would appreciate how much someone has enjoyed your offer. Best regards, and he signs his name. So isn't that sweet? This person was able to take a walk down memory lane and watch these VHS tapes that he had never seen before. So it was all new to him. And because of people like us, that sell things that help people relive days gone by and just sit in that moment with nostalgia and enjoy it. So I just thought this was very heartfelt and other eBay sellers might want to know about this. Okay, now on to the conversation with Kari. Welcome back, listeners. I have Kari with us today, and this was a uh, rescheduled do-over because things happen. So, yay, we made it. (laughs) Um, And you are West Coast, so it's 10 o'clock in the morning, your time, and 1 o'clock my time, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So, how are you doing this morning? Are you feeling better? I am. I've had this horrible flu for the last, um, it's been two weeks so. oh, no. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I got better and then I don't know if it's the same flu or different flu, but I started coming down with something else when, um, of course. last weekend. So <laughs> anyway, of course. Yeah. um, and where are you located? So I'm about 30 minutes outside of Seattle. So I'm in the foothills. Um, so I'm East of Seattle in the town of carnation. Okay. Um, same carnation with the milk production. Really? <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're kind of, I'm 
east of, so if we go about 20 minutes um, west, you hit Microsoft and a lot of the tech companies. And then if if I just go east, I hit all this farmland. So kind of in the middle of all that. The best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I love it because we're big. Um, we're, my husband and I are really avid hikers and we have, um, husky mixes. So yeah, we get our dogs out every day. So lots going on there. Okay. Wonderful. Um, so I had you on my list to get on the podcast. I have a very long list. It'll probably (laughs) take the rest of my life to get to everybody. Um, but then I put out a call for glassware specialists. Mm-hmm. And you were the only one to respond. So um, we're going to touch on that later. And maybe we'll have you back on for an episode dedicated just to glassware. Because um, I don't know that we can cram all that in as well as everything else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but we start off with what brought you to eBay? When did you start selling? So, um, 10 years ago, my husband and I moved, um, up to the Northwest from California. Um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So, um, we moved back and, um, I had been working as a photographer for more than 10 years in California. I had like a wedding and portrait, um, studio in California. And when we moved, I, I didn't really want to do that anymore. Um, I I was completely burnt out on that. And um, but I didn't really have a plan for what I was gonna do. We were we were pretty busy after the move, and I kept having to fly back to California to photograph weddings. And um we got rid of a ton of stuff before we moved. We just donated everything so much. And um, so our house was kind of empty when we moved to the northwest, and so Anyway, we were sort of approaching the holidays and our house was really empty and a friend suggested I go to an estate sale. And um, so um, I went to the estate sale. It was kind of interesting because we had just had, we have these storms in October and November and um, we were in the middle of this, a big fall storm. And so like our neighborhood was without power and a lot of trees were down and so I got to the estate sale and the power was out at the estate sale and um and the the guy who was running it, it was the first time I'd ever been to any estate sale and the guy running it was like you know I've got this beautiful Limoges set if you want to have this Limoges china set I'm getting rid of it for $20 cuz we got to get rid of everything in this house and we've had a low turnout because of the storm and I'm like well I just I don't is beautiful, but I really don't need, you know, I don't need it. And so I'm like, I'm here for, I was like, I need furniture. I need stuff for my house. And so I left the sale and I don't know why I just kept thinking about that Limoges set. And I looked, I was like Googling Limoges China set after that. And I found Limoges China online. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could have, I could have bought that and sold it. And so then I got this idea in my head, well, maybe I could start, you know, buying and selling things online. And um, so I started going to garage sales after that and um, buying things that things that I thought, I mean, this was in 2013. So it wasn't, you know, there weren't as many sellers online. And for some reason, I didn't even know about people who sold online. I just thought I had this brilliant idea. And um, so that's, that's not uncommon. The average person on the street doesn't realize that we do this on purpose. Yeah. We're we're not just downsizing or getting rid of something. We are actually proactively buying things for the purpose of reselling. And exactly. It's it's amazing. We do this all the time. And it's amazing that the average person has never thought of that. Yeah. I know. And I hadn't I just was like, I thought I was (laughs) I thought it was some kind of genius because I'm like, I should have bought that set. And so I went to sales and I bought I bought all this stuff that I thought um oh yeah people will want this the first thing i bought and sold was like this looney tunes um like a sylvester you know like a tweety and sylvester mug and then i put them up up on ebay for just because they were what was at this garage sale i was like oh yeah people probably want to buy this and so and they didn't sell (laughs) i put Uh them up for auction for 99 cents and um yeah they didn't sell but 
I think the first thing that I actually, I bought a bunch of stuff at that sale and I bought this Royal Albert, um, it, the pattern was called Senorita and I bought this little bonbon dish and put it online and I put it up for auction. Cause I think back in 2013, it was still pretty common just to do auctions. Mm-hmm. So, right. and, um, and you know, the bidding went crazy and I think it sold for over a hundred dollars. And I was like, wow, this could work. And so I was like, I just need to learn the difference between you know, the Looney Tunes stuff and the, you know, and the, um, stuff that sells for over a hundred. So what people want versus what they don't want. Exactly. (laughs) So, and uh, back to your, your Looney Tunes mug. It's not that nobody wanted it. It was just, nobody wanted it within that time frame. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but actually before then, um, I did have an eBay account. I, I had an eBay account because when I was a photographer, my, I would have my assistants, um, sell my stuff on eBay. And I thought like selling on eBay was all this coding involved a lot of coding. So I had my sell my equipment on eBay. And then when it was my turn to sell, I was like, Oh, I've got to learn coding and (laughs) all this stuff. I I don't know why I thought it was so complicated. (laughs) So, well, I guess if you are a computer person and you know what HTML is, you would assume that, that, Oh, this is, you know, to make my picture show, I'm going to have to, you know, do use HTML to code that. And um, I wonder if other people think that, you know, it's, it's very user-friendly and cookie cutter now, but yeah. back in the day, it, I don't know. I mean, people sold stuff without pictures, you know, you just, yeah, just like it was a, an ad in the paper. You just wrote something about it and how much to ship it. And people sent checks and money orders in the mail and, you know, I know that's kind of unbelievable. <laughs> very old school. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I can see that people would be intimidated. Are you a tech person? I am not. I mean, even though I worked as a photographer and I am not really a tech person and I'm not a person that I don't love reading manuals. So, um, <laughs> so. well, and like some people are just terrified of the computer and like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to do it because I'm not a computer wizard. And they don't realize if you can answer your phone, you can do eBay. I mean, it's, it's that easy. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And and I was, I worked with digital cameras and everything. And so I was a tech person when it came to cameras, but just not computer, like, you know, I mean, I knew Photoshop yeah. and all that. So it's, it's intimidating for a lot of people. Yeah. So I, I see where, especially back in the day when everything was all about coding, you know, that's very understandable. So you got over that and sold <laughs> an item for a hundred dollars and then you were hooked. I was hooked. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Okay. So what happened after that? Um, so I did. Yeah. So I started, I, I got into selling and then I, I started, I bought some books on Amazon, like, you know, how to be an eBay, like tricks of the eBay masters and all these. And, right. and I started, and I think it wasn't long after that, that I found the scavenger life podcast. And, uh-huh. um, and so there was, there was a woman who, um, had like a eBay sellers group and I joined her group and, and then she was supposed to come to Seattle and I paid for her to come to, you know, to go, you know, out with her buying stuff. And, and then she canceled and then she didn't refund the money. And oh, no. Um, Yeah. And so, but she had this, um, a group and she, I did learn a little bit from her in that time that I did the group. I don't even remember what her name was, but I had posted it in, um, the thrifting board and, um, she, she refunded me right after posting. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. And so, but I guess she was at the time known to not be a scammer, but just not be legit with her business. So. Just not follow through on these workshops and things. Just yeah. collect the money mm-hmm. and then that's yeah. it. Oh, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah, but I did learn something from her. Like I learned that's when I learned like to not to not do auctions, to just list things. And maybe that's when the big transition was happening between people doing auctions all the time and then just doing mm-hmm. it now with best offer. And um and I I think she had taught, you know, just how to 
look at solds and to sort by, I always sort by highest to lowest. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think I kind of learned that from the beginning and yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to learn, but the hardest part is just starting. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw myself to the wolves and I'm just going to, if millions of other people are doing it, you can do it too. So I had come from a photography background and I, so we live in the Northwest and our house, my house is dark because we kind of live in a forested area. And I just, I took pictures inside and everything was so dark. I think I, I don't know if I was taking pictures, just my camera at that time, but I remember my pictures just looking awful. And I was like, this is horrible. I'm a photographer and I should take better pictures. And so, and then, so, and I'm like, you know what? I have lights and I have, um, I'd gotten rid of, I, I started getting rid of a lot of my equipment then. Um, but I was like, I do have studio lights. And, um, so I went on Amazon and I bought one of those little photo boxes, mm-hmm. uh, to do, uh, to set up a little studio. And so then I set up a studio and, but then I became a little bit, I, you had a, a podcast a while back where you said you had an assistant that was a, um, a photographer and yes. she too much time way back in the day when I was trying to figure out how to do more by hiring people, like what tasks would I give them? And I, and I had just, to, yeah, I had to laugh at that one because I, what, that's how I was when I first started. I was so nitpicky about the photos and I was like, cause I, well, I went from horrible photos to being really nitpicky. And then I was like, okay, I have to find some happy medium where the photos look good enough, but they don't have to look perfect. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, yeah. And that was just the way her mind worked. Um, you know, she would, adjust the clothing. Should we do this? Should we do that? You know, and like all these different ways. And I'm like, just, just pick one and do it. So I get things listed. And, um, so it wasn't the best fit for what I was looking for. Um, because I, I never paid hourly. I always paid by the piece or by the task because in that situation, it took her a long time to take mm-hmm. pictures of 20 things. And it yeah. was clothes on a mannequin at the time. I hadn't switched to flat lay, um, which I tend to like better now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when, when Poshmark came along and a lot of things were flat lay, I was like, it is faster. And if it's working there, then I'm going to try that. So anyway, um, but if you are listening and thinking of hiring someone to take photos, it's really more about speed. And, um, you know, I say good enough is good enough for eBay. This is this <laughs> is not going in the Smithsonian. Um, it's not going into a print, you know, like a magazine. It does not have to be perfect. Now we have all these great editing tools. So it doesn't have to be perfect. You want somebody who can um, chug through that pile. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Your yeah. stuff photographed and, um, you know, some some people just have too many perfectionist tendencies for this to work and it just takes too long. Yeah. So like, Hey, that's a thing that's going to sell for $20. Hopefully it'll be gone in two weeks. You know, it's just, <laughs> let's go. So yeah, yeah I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, but I do think, I mean, I, I buy stuff on eBay too. And I do think there's, there are a lot of sellers, but you look at the photos and it, they look, you know, they need to look a little bit better too. Oh, let's on the floor next to their dog or whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's so dark <laughs> and you can't see the color or, you know, it's like, and, oh. and you're looking through souls and you're like, how in the world did this sell this <laughs> picture? Like, mm-hmm. and maybe they have five words in their title, um, dish with duck on it or something like that. And, and, and it's terrible. The lighting is terrible. It's blurry and somehow it sells. Yeah. And it's just, you want to talk to both the buyer and the seller, like, okay, what happened here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, So you had that photography background, which is definitely a plus when you come to eBay. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think so. Yeah. And I, what I liked about selling stuff on eBay, I think because I was so burnt out on just dealing with brides and like, 
mothers of brides. And you mean bridezillas and momzillas? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, and I had great, I, for the most part, I had really great clients, but I just was like, it's so nice to just work with objects for the most part. And um, I mean, you know, when it, you know, you get messages from buyers and sometimes there's difficult buyers, but for the most part, I would say like 99.8% of, you know, transactions go really smoothly. And, um, you know, most people are great on eBay. It's, I mean, yeah, I, I'm surprised absolutely. how many people leave feedback and, you know, well, so. and you, you hear the horror stories. Cause that's what people, when you're upset about something, you want to tell everybody, Hey, this happened. Um, I need some sympathy. I need some advice or whatever. And you don't hear about the millions and millions of transactions that were perfect. Have um, you? Yeah, I agree. Have you ever heard of Pareto's principle? It's like 80, it's the 80, 20 rule. Oh, it is. Okay. That, um, you know, and, and I remember this with my photography business, because I would focus on the small percentage of people who were kind of difficult and I had to remind myself, I need to focus on the 80% or, you know, or more who were really great, um, really great clients. And I feel like the same is true with eBay. You really have to, you know, most transactions, you know, most of the transactions go by super smoothly. So. Well, and with an online business, you have the time and space to step back and say, okay, take the emotion out of it. What's the best thing to say here? Be professional, care about the buyer. They want to be heard. Where if you're in the middle of a wedding shoot, you've mm -hmm. got the mother having a meltdown over here. You have to deal with it right then on the spot. You, mm -hmm. you have the luxury of stepping away and figuring it out. And also with photography, um, photographing objects, as you say, they don't move. No. <laughs> you put them where you want them and they stay there. They don't complain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't have to go fix their makeup or their hair or whatever it is. You know, that, that their flowers aren't the right color or, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, objects are, are a nice break from people sometimes because they just, um, yeah. they don't talk back and yeah. you leave it there and come back tomorrow and it's, everything's the same. <laughs> you know, it's true. You know, sometimes yeah. I stop uh, taking pictures like I'm tired of it. I want to go do something else and I'll just leave it right there, turn off the light and it's waiting for me tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> so. so yeah. Well, let's hear about some more things that you sold because you sent me a pretty long list. I did. I know. So I want you to pick out what you think the listeners want to hear because that is their favorite part. Like what sells? Okay. So um, something that I've never heard anyone say on your podcast is, so I live in the Pacific Northwest and I find a lot of Native American items. And so I, um, you know, I end up selling a lot of Native American items. Um, if you, and I think a lot of people are confused about it. If you can find a signature on an item or uh, like if you're selling Native American jewelry, most of it, not most, but a lot of it is signed and you can figure out who, who the artist is. Um, you know, you just can Google like silver marks and go. Right. figure. Out. Um, so I sell a lot of that. Um, I sell a lot of, um, there's, um, uh, a lot of Pacific Northwest coastal, um, like, so I will find a lot of totem poles, totem mm -hmm. poles. I will buy and sell any totem pole I find. Um, and so, um, they are, there's just huge collectors of totem poles. They'll, they'll sell really fast. Um, and I also, um, one of the, one of the better sellers was I, I bought a native American wolf mask once. Um, and I was able to figure out it was from the Macaw tribe. Anyway, it was the scariest. That that was the scariest looking mask. I mean, it's the, some of these masks are really frightening looking. And it was interesting because my husband and I were, we go up to Whistler, Canada a lot. We're skiers. And um, we, we ended up walking through this gallery once. And we saw all this. My husband's like, oh, that looks like that mask that you bought. And we went in the gallery and there was one one of those masks that was, I mean, it was much more elaborate than the one I had and it was selling for $28,000. Um, and so, yeah, these masks, if you can find them. Um, so that was a lot more, I think mine sold, can't remember. 
that was a few years back. Um, but um I think it sold between 350 and 650. Um, so that was yeah, and my husband swore that you know that one Brady Bunch episode when they go to Hawaii? <laughs> Where they find the little guy, the little statue, yeah. and it's bad luck. Yeah. So at the same at the time we had that mask our dog got cancer and my husband's like, you got to get rid of that, that wolf mask. That's bad oh luck. Oh my gosh. Like it's oh. bad luck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I just quickly looked up the native American policy on eBay. It's called artifacts and cave formations policy. And I won't read all this, um, but for the listeners, you can Google that, but it's, there are very specific things you can and cannot sell. and. Um, like you can't put in your title, it's keyword spamming. You can't put Native American if it's not like, yeah, style, yeah, like, you know, yeah. Native American style. You can't exactly. Yeah. So if you find something that's signed, you can often figure out what tribe that person is from. So, okay. um, and so, uh, yeah, so artwork, uh, like I'll find, um, paintings or um, drawings, um, things like that. So I found that there are better sellers than others. Um, so let's see, um, the pottery, Native American pottery is doesn't sell as well as um, some of the textiles. Um, I've sold um, like these little carpets or they're Horse blankets, um, blankets. Yeah, I actually have um, one for sale right now. I found at a garage sale. It was like, yeah. it's a tiny little blanket. What is this for? Yeah, and it says on it, saddle blanket. So yeah, and um, yeah, you can tell the Native American ones versus the ones that are like Mexican by mm -hmm. the by the corners by the they have really? these little selvage cords. So if it has fringe all the way across, I believe that that is not Native American. But if it has the little um, you know, in the corners, the little selvage cords, um, then that is like, I think that the tribe is Chamayo or I might be saying this, you know, I might not be pronouncing this right, but, um, anyway, I, that I found out cause I went to a garage sale and this, this man had a vintage store and he was, he was older and he said he just retired and just brought everything home and had it for years. So I bought a big stack of blankets from him. Okay. Well, those were good sellers. So um, I just looked at my saddle blanket in my store and it's El Paso. So that's totally not Native yeah, American. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that are from the Southwest or from, yeah, from Mexico that are not. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the ones that I sold, I believe that they were, he had told me they were from like the 1930s through the 1950s and those sold for for a decent amount. So, um, and so where are you finding these uh, native American items? Um, I find them at, I, so I don't go to, um, like thrift stores and I only go to, um, I go to garage sales and I go to estate sales. And, um, for a long time, for the past few years, I've mostly gone to this one through this one estate sale company and they, Oh, I was so sad. They closed their doors this year. Um, oh, no. They were, I just, I loved going through that estate sale company because they, I would just make a huge pile and, and then they would, they, at the end, they, the woman who ran it, I just loved working with her. I loved her customers. Like I, there was like a whole crowd of us that were at every sale of hers. And so the only thing is she would just let you know two days before the sale. And I was like, great. You know? And so most of the people, um, I'm 51, but most of the people were, you know, retired and a lot older than I am. Um, so because they, you know, they had flexible schedules and, but she'd always just let us know about the sales two days ahead of time. And it was just the same group of us all the time. And I knew, like, I knew Dennis was there for the records and I knew, you know, um, Sandy. And then there's some woman, I call her my Russian nemesis and I never got her name. <laughs> so, um, but you know, there was just a group of us, like most of the men were there for the tools. And so I loved going to that estate sale company because, um, the owner would 
I made a, I would just make a huge pile. And at the end of it, she'd say, okay, be honest. She'd say, let me know what you think, what do you want to pay? And so I would just throw out a number and usually I'd pay her like, you know, hundred dollars or 200. And what I learned over time is the more I got, the, the better it would be because, um, so I would just get as much as possible. So I'd usually go through the whole house several times. Um, and cause sometimes I would see stuff because if you're trying to go fast and get stuff before everyone else, you're just grabbing the good stuff first. And then the second or third time I go through the house, I would kind of just look more deeply. And, um, so I would actually spend hours at her sale and, um, one of one of her employees once said to me, "You're the best looker that we have," and I thought she was complimenting my looks. I was like, "Well, thank like you're you. so attractive," and you're like, "They're like, no, you look you know, at everything." Goes, she said, "No, what I mean is, you look through everything." <laughs> so at one sale, she said, um, "Somebody lost their keys, and if anyone's going to find them, you're you're going to find them." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. And so, but anyway, I, um, yeah, I, I loved the sales because it gave me a chance to kind of take risks and learn about different things. And then, um, and I kind of have a process where, so I take everything home and I, I, like I said, I tried to get as much as possible and take everything home. And then I would immediately look things up and sort them. And so I would make a big pile to immediately get donated. Like, cause I, once I would look it over, I'd look for any flaws or, um, so I'd make a pile for donation that either immediately goes back to a thrift store or I'm pretty active on my buy nothing group. So I'm constantly listing stuff on the buy nothing group. Um, so, um, and it's just really neat to, um, I, I really love to give to that group because, you know, I have like, I gave a cookbook away to that group once and someone said it was like vintage Louisiana, uh, recipes like from the bayou or whatever. And I'm very obscure. Yeah. 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 And this woman was like, I'm making copies for all my grandkids. These are great recipes. And so it's really rewarding to like give stuff to that group. And, um, yeah. So, um, and I, I think one thing that's pretty recent that has really revolutionized the way I list is, um, Google images. Um, Mm -hmm. and now, cause a lot of stuff I buy and I have no idea what it is. I'm just like, this looks interesting. And, you know, and just bring it all home. And sometimes like I'll, I have the biggest death pile. (laughs) I know you're like, don't, don't, you know, it it just all depends on your business model. Cause I, I don't like to leave things behind either, you know, forget it. Cause it might not be there when you come back. Exactly. So yeah, I try to, so I try to go through, I write everything down and then I, um, and then I kind of go, I I do all the research and write down what things sell for. And then I just kind of highlight the stuff that sells for the most. And I list the stuff that sells for the most first so that I can, I do. (laughs) Yeah. So I can make my money back as, you know, as I evaluate my haul and then I'm like, okay, we're going to start with the most expensive thing and work down. Yeah. Because that can sell in five minutes and then you've made your money back. Yeah. Yeah. And I I've had stuff in my pile that I didn't know what it was before I had like discovered Google images and I actually do Google images and I'm like, Oh, like I had something that I had in that pile for over a year. And then I'm like, well, what exactly is this? And I did Google images and I, it was called, um, it was from a company called Kaleidovision. So it was like this kaleidoscope kit. I listed it. I, and I, when I looked it up, I'm like, Oh, they sell for, you know, 200, 250. And so I listed it and I got an offer like within, I think within a day, um, for $200. (laughs) And that had been sitting in my pile for over a year because I wasn't quite sure what it was. (laughs) And so, um, right. That was kind of exciting, but yeah, the one thing I would say I know sells for a lot, but I I have a hard time selling or getting listed is flatware sets. Um, I have so many flatware sets because whenever I would go to this estate sale, I'd immediately gr- grab the flatware because most flatware sets sell between you know fifty to two hundred. So um, so immediately 
I'd grab the flatware um, unless I would see it was like Ikea flatware or something like that. But even Ikea flatware sells, but the can, can, yeah. if it's Oneida um, and if you find the cube on the back, Oneida flatware sells for a lot. So, okay. um, but yeah, I sell because of going to this one estate sale through this one estate sale company so much, you know, I've learned about a lot of different areas like, um, home decor, like glass, kitchen items, um, textiles. Um, the one area I don't sell a lot in is clothing. I, I don't do a lot of clothing. So, um, that's okay. You don't have to. Yeah. And it's because I, you know, I, I don't like, I, I actually will set up like a big studio when I do clothing and it's just kind of a pain. So anytime I get clothing, I have to set it aside and, I'll and I can't say why I like it so much. I just like working with it. Yeah. Uh, I just like the whole time I'm working with it, I'm thinking, oh, this is so beautiful. Someone is just going to mm-hmm. love this. Oh, this yeah. fabric feels so wonderful. This cashmere is so luxurious. Someone's really going to enjoy this. And that's where my head is the whole time with clothing is like, oh, somebody's going to love that. And yeah. so that's. That is my my playtime is listing stuff, you know, um, because I do all these other things. And so it's like, okay, today it's all about me and listing. And (laughs) so, but going back to finding a favorite estate sale company, um, I think that's really important to like the way they run the sales and to like the people. Um, I've gotten more into that this year. And there's one company that I really like. They don't have them every weekend. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you go to one, they'll they'll tell you when the next one is. And here's a tip: if the next one's not for like three weeks, it's gonna have a lot of stuff. <laughs> they That's give true. themselves time to go through and organize, and they're what I call more junkier than others. That so many of the companies are going to this boutique look, and exactly. it's just, yeah. it's like where's all the stuff. I feel like I'm in a hotel lobby. Like there's art and there's vases and there's furniture. Where's where's the junk? Yeah. And I like digging through that and looking through the boxes and going in the basement and like what's in here. And um, so that company that I like the most does that and they negotiate with you starting on the second day. Same thing you said, just bring them your stuff and they'll give you a price or you you negotiate. Um, so yeah. I love it. At first I was like, oh man, you're not having another one for three weeks. And they'll be like, oh, but it's going to be a doozy. You want to come to that? (laughs) So I'm like, okay, so you just got to pace yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Um, exactly. I I also love family run estate sales too, Mm -hmm. Um, but that can be hit or miss because people, like I've gone to certain ones where they're like, oh, well, this figurine is $200 because I looked it up on... And then I'll be like, well, how much is that little, you know, that um, throw rug? Box, box of recipes or that, that box of postcards. Oh, you exactly. have that for 50 cents. Exactly. And so, <laughs> so it can, you have to just know how to navigate those. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, and it's, they think it, it's garage sales too. And they've got the eBay printout next to the item and it's, it's a baby monitor and they want $50 for it. And I'm like, I have that card with my, i uh, it's called cash for stuff. <laughs> it's uh-huh. my contact information. And I'm like, well, here's my card. When you're done with your sale and you still have this, let me know. And, and I'll negotiate, I'll buy it. Some of your leftovers, you know, and, um, cause good luck with that at a garage sale, you know, yeah. you're not going to get that. Yeah. Because it's all, and they have an active listing, not a completed listing. Exactly. So they're completely clueless about how to find comps on eBay. We are, they're just, they'll just Google the item and, the, you know, here it is on Mercari, here it is on, you know, Amazon, whatever. And they just do that printout like, okay. Yep. A price. And I'm like, yeah, you pretty much don't know what you're doing. Yeah. They can it to you, but no, you're clueless. I got really into going to garage sales during COVID, like, because, um, yeah, it was, so I went to, you know, during COVID things like, I think people were so bored and 
everything was selling. And then there were no sales. There was nothing for a while. And our state was, so Washington state was, I don't know if you, you remember, like, you know, there was that, um, nursing home that had the outbreak. Um, your state was pretty strict as far as oh, it was because that's where we were like ground zero for COVID. Yeah, all the rules were like your state was the poster child for um, COVID spreading. Exactly, and so <laughs> I um, and I think that's what's made me become like a like I have a huge death death pile after that because I'm like I don't want ever run out of stuff again, and right. so. Um, but yeah, I I was selling everything, and then there were no sales, and so I. Someone had posted a sale. This was like probably like June of 2020. And they said, I'm just have like a garage full of stuff and I'm going to keep the doors open and people can just come and everything is free. And it was, it was like 45 minutes away. And I drove, I was like, I'm so bored. I drove there and I got to her garage and I walked through the whole thing and I'm like, everything was, there wasn't anything that I wanted. And and she's like, it's free. And I'm like, you know, it's free. I, there wasn't anything I wanted. And she, um, she's like, you have to take something. And I was like, really? And so I walked around it again and I found this box full of Bibles. And I, and I think I had remembered someone on the scavenger life podcast talking about Bibles once. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, okay, I'll just, I'm like, should I, I'll just take this box of Bibles. And she's just like, fine, everything is going to be donated. And so I took that and I, I don't know if it was because it was COVID, but those Bibles, they were from the 1930s and they were all these Catholic catechisms. And I don't know, they were like from the 1930s, 1940s, leather Bibles, and they sold like hotcakes, those. Um, and so that's something that I always buy now. Um and I've, I've learned that it's really the leather ones that people want, not just, I mean, I will sell other Bibles, but the leather ones are the. Yeah. Ones. You do have to choose carefully because it's not just, oh, pick up any Bible you see. It has exactly. to be. Um, and Eileen Cole and Suzanne Keen are two that come to mind that, that know about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we need to have a Bible episode <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it's all about how old is it? And is it a leather bound and is there writing in it? You know, is there like a family tree in it? And is that important? And all the different versions and um, like the the catechism ones. And um, it's very overwhelming to me because I don't know what to pick. Yeah. Yeah. I know one guy, uh, I did sell one Bible and I did not see the writing in it. And this guy wrote me a message saying, you know, all the parts that they underlined were not the right parts. And this guy was very upset about it. Uh, isn't it open to interpretation? Your, yeah, <laughs> you just have your money back. Okay. Yeah, the person who owned this did it wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Okay. Um, let's segue into what I'm going to call the glassware teaser, but you can tell us some things and then we can go into more depth on a future episode. Okay. So, so go um, for it. <laughs> I won't say that I'm a glassware expert, but I do sell a lot of glassware. Um, and, um, anyway, I, um, in our area, glassy babies are made in our area. So I glassy do find, baby, those candles. Yes. Yep. Yes. They're made in, in Seattle. So I do find a decent amount of them at garage sales. So, um, I hate you. I have never found one. I always look, I look with the shot glasses. I look with the candles. Um, I like, where might they put them? Because people in this part of the country aren't familiar with what they are. The yeah, and know, but the people stocking the shelves of the thrift stores, they don't know. Well, I, I you know, I picked one up at an estate sale. And this was probably about seven years ago. And I have one sister who's really into collecting, um, collecting them. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in the Northwest have them. They're very popular here. And mm-hmm. so I, I swore I looked it up on eBay and I didn't, I think I misspelled something and I'm like, oh, I guess people outside this area don't aren't into them. And so I didn't, I just bought it for my sister and, um, and I think I paid $5 for that one. And, um, and so, but, um, I went to another sale and I looked them up more recently. Um, this is like in the last two years and anyway, yeah, I've sold, I got one in a garage sale. I think someone sold it to me for a dollar 
and it was one of the more rare ones. And that one sold for, I think, 300. Um, so yeah, no, now whenever I see them, I just, I just, um, snap, you know, snap them up because, um, so those are, they're easy to find here in this area. Um, so that's in one of my bolo books, glassy baby candles. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. 32nd, what they are for people that have never heard of this. They're little glass votives. I think they're about three or four inches tall. And um, and I'm trying to remember what the logo looks like on the bottom. You'll have to like look up what the logo is. But yeah, they're little votives that you put um, candles inside. And they have them in all different colors. And um, so, yeah, and, and each, you know, different ones symbolize different things. Like some can symbolize friendship or birthdays or um, love. Um, so... Anyway, those are, that's a good seller if, and it's a good, easy thing to find in the Northwest. And Um, there's a story behind it. And I'm going to just refer to my book here that it's in the 2022 Bolo book. Um, So it's on page 34. For those of you that have your books, you can get them out and look at them. Um, Hand-blown artisan glass candles and glassware. And didn't it start in a community that wanted to do something with all the glass because um, it's no longer profitable to recycle glass. So oh, it might have. And I, I think a certain percentage goes towards cancer, um, cancer, either cancer research or um, so I think that's why one of my sisters, um, actually two of my sisters had breast cancer. So that's why, you know, they're, they can be really popular for that reason as well. Another type of glass that I find a lot um, and that you can find is Waterford, um, Orifors, um, a lot of, um, trying to think of all the Tiffany, um, so like the fine crystal. Exactly. So you can find, um, you know, um, paperweights, um, vases, pitchers, um, like spirits, decanters. Um, so I feel like the Waterford doesn't sell as much as it used to. And same with like the Orifers. Um, so Waterford is from Ireland initially. So, um, and then, but they don't make it in Ireland, I don't think anymore. And, um, and then Orifers is Swedish. Can you spell um, that? I think it's O-R-R-E-F-O-R-S. And, okay. um, and there's, there's a lot that's like Scandinavian. So in, in, in our area, there's a lot of Scandinavian. So I do find a lot of that Scandinavian glass. Um, and then there's Italian glass, which is usually Murano glass. Um, and I find most Murano is not marked. Um, sometimes you can find labels and sometimes it's signed, but, um, I, I think it's, it would be really good for, people to identify themselves with Murano glassware. Um, and like you can, and, and that's copied a lot. There's a lot of Murano glass that, that looks like Murano glass, but it's actually from China. My sister and I traveled there years ago and we went to Murano and, you know, you take a little ferry across and you can see them blowing glass. It's really cool. So right. yeah, I have a, some friends that just seemed like everyone I know went to Italy this year, everyone, but me, um, Murano is so beautiful and it's, it look has a certain look. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and there's different types. Um, you know, you can see some with these canes that are like twisted and, um, I think they call it latticino or it's probably pronounced totally differently than that, but, um, you know, it's pretty good to me. (laughs) It's probably like (laughs) latticino or something like that, but, um, someone will tell us, trust me, I get emails all the time. You pronounce this wrong. And it's like, you know, I just throw myself to the wolves sometimes and just yeah. try. <laughs> and then, um, and then there's a lot of American glass, American made glass. There's, um, Steuben and, um, and I've sold some, and this is probably the wrong pronunciation too. It's called Quetzal. Um, and that is glass, like they do lampshades. And so you see these, it's called like pulled feather designs and, um, And that was probably one of my best sellers on eBay was I had these three Quetzal lampshades. Um, I actually went to um, an estate sale and I had said to the person running the sale, and this was not the same company that I work with. This was years ago. I said, if I buy them all, will you give me a deal on them? And so they, I bought all the lampshades and they were Steuben and Quetzal, but I sold three together 
I think I sold those for 750, but uh, yeah, (laughs) for the three. Um, And they were, um, what did they call them? They were like very pearly. um, And then they have this beautiful pulled feather, like this green pulled feather design. And I can't remember if it was um, that, that design period, I believe is from like 1890 to 1920. And it's, it's beautiful. Um, And um, it was interesting because that estate sale was one of the more unpleasant estate sales. Cause I, I got there, I took a ferry over to, to get to that sale. And um, I got up at like four in the morning to get there. And they had, they had so much amazing glassware at that one. Um, and, and I had called the company beforehand saying, I'll buy, I'll buy them all if you give me a deal. And they said, okay. And so I, I got into the house, I pulled all the glass to me and I, I had, kind of had it all in front of me in a, in a table and, and a guy came up and just grabbed the lampshade. And I said, excuse me, that's mine. And he said, it's mine now. And, and then, yeah. And he saw, so they had a $130 um, price sticker on it. And, and he said, well, not for that price. And he slammed it down and I'm like, watch out. These are antique. I was so annoyed, you know? So sometimes there's disrespectful. Yeah. And so, um, but anyway, I, I ended up buying it all. I think I bought it for a hundred a piece. So my profit wasn't as much, but it was still really good for, um, and, um, but anyway, yeah. Um, um, yeah, though, I think that the maker was called Quetzal, like Q U E Z A L. Um, okay. Um, and, and that was signed Quetzal like on the, on the rim. Um, and then there's more modern glass or glass from like the 1950s on in the U.S. Um, so, um, and the big glass designer is um, in in our area is Tahuli Dale Tahuli, and I actually found a Tahuli at um, a garage sale, and really? I didn't realize that it was a Tahuli because I in my head I was like you can't find a Tahuli at a garage sale. And so, but I saw it was signed. And so usually if I see glasses signed and I don't see any chips or uh, I'll buy it. And so, um, and it was interesting because at that garage sale, I got there. So I'll usually, if I'm going out to garage sales, I'll make a a list and I'll just go from sale to sale to sale. So I got to the sale at like two in the afternoon. So it was late in the day. And I was thinking, I'm not going to find anything here. And I bought this, I found this beautiful little vase and, um, and I thought it looks like Tahuli, but of course it's, it's not Tahuli. And, um, anyway, um, but I saw it was signed and I had a $10 sticker on there and I negotiated and I said, would you take $7? And the woman said, well, you know, it could be a Tahuli. And I'm like, I think if it was a Tahuli, you'd know. And so, so, <laughs> so Tahuli, <laughs> but I saw a signature, but I was in my head, I'm like, it's not a Tahuli. And, um, and I brought it home. And so in our garage, I have all my inventory in the garage. And um, because we have earthquakes here, I've, I set up our garage with these big shelves and I've, I have the shelves hammered to the walls just in case. So it was just on the shelf in the garage and, and I um, photographed it and listed it like about a month after I got it. And I posted it on a message board saying, I can't figure out this signature. Can anyone? And I thought it was a certain artist. And people said, uh, that's Tahuli. And I'm like, it's not Tahuli. Like, it can't be Tahuli. So someone had pointed me to Tahuli's, um, they just said, why don't you contact their studio? So I contacted the Tahuli um, studio in Seattle. And they said, we don't authenticate. But there's this woman, her name was Kate. They said, we'll send you to this woman. So I contacted her. She used to be Dale Tahuli's assistant and she works with the Department of Homeland Security or she had um, because there's a lot of fakes that come in from China. And she said it's $500 to authenticate. And I'm like, well, what? Yeah. And I'm like, for a $7 piece, I'm not going to do that. And so she said, just between you and me, that's a real Tahuli. Like that one's real. And how do you spell that? C-H-I- H U L Y. Oh, so, Chihuly. I, I thought you were saying with a T, but it's a CH, a hard CH sound. Chihuly. Chihuly. Yeah. He's, okay. he's the artist that if you go. Oh, to yes. Vegas, he's very famous. Yeah. Yes. If you go to Las Vegas, like the ceiling of the Bellagio right. is all Dale Chihuly. So 
Um, but anyway, and I just thought there's no way you could find this in, um, you know, at a garage sale. And so, but she said it is a Chihuly and I actually didn't sell that on eBay. She referred me to an auction house in New Jersey. So I went through Rago auction house and, um, worked with the woman who's on antiques roadshow and it sold for, really? um, yeah. And it sold for $1,500. <laughs> Excellent. Good for you. Now I just looked this up because now I know who you're talking about. Um, and some of his work reminds me of that scene in Sweet Home Alabama where they stick the rods in the sand and then the lightning hits them and it just makes these shapes like yes. these these curly cue things. Exactly. Yeah. No, he has like a whole sea form series. And you know, there's a there's a museum in Seattle and I think one in Tacoma here, you know. So yeah, it's really very funky, I guess, abstract looking. Um, there's lots of light fixtures that are yep. And he, and there's like, there's, I was, I was Googling this and trying to spell what you were saying. And I was like, nothing's coming up. How do you spell that? So yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. That was probably one of my, but that didn't sell on eBay. So I I was a little bit nervous about selling that one on eBay just because, um, and it was interesting because the auction house, they, they do a glass auction every year. And they had, I signed a contract with them that they would put that in there and I mailed it off to them. And they um, asked me to step out of the auction because this was, they valued it at between one and 2000. And um, they were selling pieces that were about um, 188,000, you know, that's, and so this was kind of too small for them. And, but they said by, because they signed the contract, they were obligated to have it in there. And they said, it's up to you. And I said, no, I want to keep it in there. Because I thought for people who don't get those big, you know, $188,000 pieces that they wanted, I wanted them to get little pieces for their bathroom or wherever. Right, so, right. Okay. And this was just a tiny little thing. So um, anyway, that was kind of, it was fun. So um, we've about run out of time and you've just barely touched on glassware, but I do want to ask you, what is the most expensive thing, the highest price thing you've sold on eBay? On eBay, um, I I think it was probably those the Quetzal um, lampshades and okay. uh, either that or I did sell so that was seven fifty but my profit wasn't as high because I paid a hundred a piece for those so um, I think next would be um, I do a lot of jewelry and I sold a necklace that was um, it was an Italian necklace it was fourteen karat gold that I got at a garage sale for a dollar. It looked like costume jewelry and it was 14 karat gold. And it had um, like this little Spartans carved into, so it had like green glass and um, I believe it was like carnelian and it had like these carvings in it. And I think it had um, like a lapis. So it was green and lapis. And so I think it might've been either Jade or trying to remember what the other, it wasn't Jade, um, but anyway, it was. I think that sold for five fifty. So, um, so that was a good, good profit. Excellent, for, and it was a dollar. And it was a dollar. So I try to keep the things that I buy at. I I don't spend a lot for things um, because you never know if they're going to sell. So um, yeah. I hear you on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was looking at my inventory the other day, and I'm like, you know. If everything sold in one day, what I have it priced at, I I would make this much money. And yeah. I was like, yeah, dream on. That would be nice, but you know, it doesn't work like that. I sold so many today I've had for two years. It's like I didn't give up on it. Finally it yeah. sold, but you just have to have patience. Well, I found out about um an estate sale company in our area that is doing selling everything through Max sold because I think a lot of the estate sale companies now during COVID, they switched their models and they're not doing as many in-person sales. Right. And I and I think part of that is also because people break into the houses in our area. There's a lot of theft. And so they don't want to list the addresses. So a lot of them will come and and just grab all the inventory and sell it. And there was one estate sale company that does partial estate. So because I got so much stuff this year, because I knew this company was going out of business, I mean, I just went. I went for broke at these sales and I have such a big death pile that 
my husband's like, why don't you just bring it all to that one estate sale company and just get rid of it all. But I'm like, but I won't get as much for it. <laughs> so right. yeah, but I yeah. can do it. It's just going to take a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, if, if only. <laughs> yeah. I must have, I, I think I probably have 30 flatware sets that I haven't listed yet and I know they'll sell, but I just, that's the one thing that I, I buy and it takes me forever to list is the flatware sets just because I don't know. I mean, it's not that hard to list them, but for some reason, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I have things like that. It's just I drag my feet and I keep putting it aside. Um, I'm going to do these other things. Oh, I'll get yeah. to that later. Um, but the whole buying online, I know a lot of people do it on yeah. online um, estate sales and Goodwill online and everything. But I think it's just the hunter gatherer in me. I like to go in person and just see yeah. what I can like other people yeah. are looking at it and, and negotiate my price. And um, exactly. I, I, I feel very defeated trying to do it online because I lose so much. Like, yeah, I didn't get that one. I didn't get that thing. Exactly. I feel like but, it's, it's, it's um, discouraging, but yeah. when you go in person, you always seem to come out with things, you know, exactly. but I'm tempted to take all my inventory and just have them sell it all and, and start over. But then I'm like, well, then what would I do? <laughs> so <laughs> I fill my days if I don't have stuff to list. Yeah, exactly. And then, you would, and then you would go out in the world and you might find things that somebody bought from you that's in their garage sale. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, you have just been a wealth of information. I really appreciate you being patient and, um, getting this uh, recording done because um, you have been on my list for a while. So. Yeah. Well, it was really fun and I can't believe an hour went by. I know <laughs> it so goes fast. by really fast. So, so <laughs> what we're going to do is um, maybe put a post on the Facebook group about, you know, glassware questions. Cause we didn't touch on any of the vintage glass, depression glass, carnival glass, all that stuff. Um, what is it? Uranium glass, Vaseline glass, all and that. I, I have to say that type of glass, that pressed glass is not my forte. That is not, okay. I tend to do more blown, blown glass. Okay. Well, we yeah. can, we can talk further you and I and figure out, um, I would like to put some questions out to the group because people do shy away from glassware. It all looks the same. I don't know what to pick. I'm afraid to ship it, you know, yeah. can you sell it if it has a chip in it? All those kind of things that people ask all the time. Um, that's why I put out a call for glassware people because okay. I don't know anything about it. Um, <laughs> and I'd like to learn so I can recognize it out in the world because there's plenty of it out there. So um, we'll just have you come back on in the future and okay. we'll talk more about that. So sounds good. Um, thank you so much for coming on and we will look for more of your amazing sales on the group. All right. Well, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Good. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. What a pleasure to have you on the show, Kari. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Now on to today's trivia question. Kari mentioned Murano glass, which has a rich history. Why are the glass factories on Murano Island? Here's a few seconds to think it over. Okay, glass making existed since the 10th century in Venice and has been operating continuously since then. Glass was one of the Renaissance's most wished-for treasures. Glass, at one point in history, was extremely luxurious and a valuable commodity available only to the rich and wealthy people. In 1291, the Venice government banned the furnaces from central Venice and moved them to the island of Murano. This was due to the fear of fire in the wooden structures of a crowded Venice city and also to isolate the master glass blowers to prevent their sharing valuable glassmaking secrets.
The glass blowers became virtual prisoners on Murano, where the penalties for divulging glass blowing secrets could include death. So when you visit Murano, you take a ferry over to the island. So that's why it's there. Okay, next week's guests are Toby and Colleen, a dynamic duo husband and wife team who are also traveling medics. They have figured out how to craft their eBay business around their regular jobs and have sold some really fascinating items. So you don't want to miss that episode. Thank you listeners for spending the last hour with us and I will talk to you next week. Bye for now.